The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of His name He has power over life and death Every knee will bow and tongue confess Heaven and earth will proclaim That Jesus Christ is Lord To the glory of the Father Will you bow, will you surrender To His majesty He can save you from the might Of all your sin the fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm While you have breath 
You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter From the coming storm He's the only shelter From the coming storm A great silence has descended on my soul. I ask the Lord, how can I even begin to do the broadcast today? I would rather just sit in silence before him. For the third horse of the apocalypse is riding in America today. Revelation, the sixth chapter. And then he opened the third seal. I heard the third living being saying, you must come and you must look. And behold, a black horse and the one sitting upon him having a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living beings saying, A quart of wheat for a day's pay, three quarts of barley for a day's pay, but do not damage the olive orchard or the vineyard. There are four horses of the apocalypse. The first is the attempt to organize the world under a one-world government. It was birthed first in the League of Nations and then in the United Nations. Then came war. And with the war came a great sword to kill men with. And we have been experiencing this war year after year after year. But now, the third seal has opened, and the third horse of the apocalypse, a black horse, is riding. And it means a total financial reset. Now, I know I listen to many prophets as well just to hear what they're saying. And I hear over and over we are coming into a time of great prosperity in America. We are not. I don't choose to believe the prophets of our day. They are like the prophets of Jeremiah's day prophesying 
much good. But that is not what the Lord says. And if I must choose between what the prophet John spoke versus the prophets of our day, I choose the book of John. And John in the book of Revelation says, there are three horses of the apocalypse. The third one brings famine and desolation. While the elite continue with their money, the George Soros and all the other elites, they don't lose their money. But the middle class is decimated. The lower class is starving. Then soon there is only the poor and the rich. This is the third horse of the apocalypse. Now, if you'll open your eyes, you'll see that inflation is soaring and it has only just begun to soar. It's going to get much, much worse. I urge you, prepare or you will starve. Be sober-minded. For when the fourth horse of the apocalypse comes, it is death. And there will be widespread dying. There will be widespread death by sword, by gun, by famine, by the beasts of the earth. Men will die. And great persecution will arise against those who believe in Jesus Christ. And many of us will die of martyrdom. This is what the book of Revelation says is coming in our day. Now, there are those who say we're going to be swooped out of here before we enter into any of this trauma. They're wrong. They're not walking correctly in the word of God. I'm not going to go through all of this. But the scriptures indicate that it is in the midst of the tribulation that God brings his people home. Now that's simply what I read in the word. I know many disagree. But I know we do not dare disagree about this black horse and a financial reset that is coming to the entire world. We have lived in a fiat currency world. What is fiat? A currency that has no value of its own. It is all a false currency. There is no 
way to establish an honest price for anything today. May I say also, please, all of this is intentional. Yes, God has sent forth this third horse, but it's intentional. Men have done this. Policies. There is a determination to destroy America as a nation. There is a very hideous plot to bring starvation to the entire world. To destroy our food source. None of this is happening by accident. Men have designed this wicked scheme to establish their one world government. And I want to be very frank with you today and say there is only there is only one place of refuge. And that is in the person of Jesus Christ. Don't have a bias for normalcy, that thinking, oh, pastor, everything's going to continue as it always has. No, it is not. It is not normal now. If you don't believe me, go fill the gas tank on your car. Go shopping. Soon we'll be paying a dollar an egg. The prices are going to go much higher. And how are you going to survive, especially those on fixed incomes or those without income? How will you survive? My brother Alex on the chat line made a statement. I'm going to read it to you. He is precisely on. He is the storm. And the shelter. Jesus is the storm that is coming upon us. He is going to come again in glory and in power for his people. He is the storm. He's also the shelter. Now I want to go back with you today to a story in the Old Testament. I want to go back to this story because the lessons outlined in this story will enable you to walk from where you are right now into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And I want to preface what I'm saying today with a very sober word. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I'm not a prophet. I'm simply a watchman on the wall declaring to you the word of God. You can ignore everything I'm saying, but it will be at your own risk and at your own life if you will listen to what I'm going to say to you. You will enter into eternal life. If you do not listen, then you will be held accountable 
at the judgment because the judgment is coming in a rush upon you. America will not continue as it is. Tyranny is growing hour by hour. They want to destroy the Second Amendment. We have much more to fear from government than we do from the Second Amendment. The founders of our nation were godly men. What they prepared for us is being systematically dismantled and destroyed by the American government and by the wickedness of men and women's hearts and actions. America could only survive as a moral nation, and we have lost our moral moorings, our places of standing. Even the church has become utterly apostate and wicked in our day. So I want to go to the book of Numbers, and I want to talk about leaving leaving Egypt. We must leave Egypt. The Lord said to Moses in Numbers 13, send some of the men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites from each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. They sent them out as spies into the land to explore Canaan. He said to them, go up to the Negev and on into the hill country and see what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live on? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. And so they went up and they explored the land. In the valley of Eshkol, they cut off one branch of grapes. And it was so large, it took two men to carry it. They brought back pomegranates and figs. They came back after 40 days to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them, to the whole assembly, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they gave Moses this account. This is Numbers 13, verse 27. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Enoch there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. 
And Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who'd gone up with him said, We can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. And the people we saw there of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, descendants of Anak, came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or out in this desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Do you hear? They were brought out of Egypt with a mighty hand of God. They saw the miracles of God. They saw Moses and Aaron going up against the most powerful man in the earth. And they saw God's miracles, his power being evidenced in the hail, in the darkness, in the lice. They saw the miracles of God being performed for them. Then they plundered the Egyptians and they went out with vast treasures Now they've been at Mount Sinai for just over a year. There's no food to eat in the desert, but God has rained down manna for them, the bread of angels. God could have delivered that food on the beautiful tables set with china and crystal. But that's not what God did. Instead, God sent it and laid it on the ground where they had to get on their knees to pick up their food. God made them hungry, we're told, and then fed them in order to humble their hearts that he could somehow turn their hearts from their wickedness and cause them to rejoice in the mighty works of Almighty God. They have seen the cloud shading them by day. They've seen the pillar of fire at night traveling with them and coming to rest over the tabernacle. They have participated in the sacrifices at the tabernacle. They have seen the glory of God. Oh, yes, they have sinned against God making golden calves, worshiping Baal. But God forgave them. Over and over they have tested God and not believed in his word. But now they come. Will they leave the desert 
and enter into the promised land. The desert in scripture always represents the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's the place where the Amalekites attack. It's the place of utter depravity and wickedness. And yet God has carried them through this desert. And now they've come to the border of the promised land. And the Lord is inviting them to come by faith on his promises. To believe him. But they are not prepared to do so. They want to go back to their slavery. They want to go back to Egypt. And so now they're even speaking about, let's stone Moses and Aaron. Let's stone them. Oh, my brother, my sister. Are we any different? You and I, as in the book Pilgrim's Progress, have been on a journey. And on this journey, I have called you time after time after time to leave your sin, to leave the world. But many of you today are standing with one foot stretched out toward the Lord and one foot and one foot in the desert loving the darkness you remember I spoke yesterday of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil It is so utterly seductive. We like to hang on to what we consider the good and avoid what we consider to be the evil. But I want to tell you today, there is no clear line of distinction between the good and the evil of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What do I mean? You can say, oh, this movie is a good movie. But there's fornication in it. This movie is a good movie. But there's utter darkness in it. Everything we consider good on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil has an underbelly of uncleanness I was deeply saddened by 
hearing that one person that I've been doing everything in my power to care for, to witness to, to call out of darkness, has been sitting and spending hours watching kung fu movies. The kung fu movies are particularly problematic because they always involve a demonic magic. They always involve violence. There is an uncleanness in the kung fu. Don't send your child for martial arts training. There is an underbelly of wickedness and uncleanness of demonic presence. Oh, yoga, pastor. Yoga is wonderful. It's just innocent exercise. No, it's not. It is steeped in Hinduism. And it has an unclean bottom to it. And if you pursue it far enough and long enough, you will come under the direct power of demonic spirits who will fill you with darkness and destroy your life. Everything of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil has an underbelly of uncleanness. And many of you think you can separate out what is good from what is evil. That was the whole premise. The devil said to Eve, you will be able to judge between what is good and what is evil. So my tree has everything you need. And you can separate the good and the evil. You don't have to touch the evil. Just accept the good. No, thank you. Now, what has happened in man's heart is rebellion against God. And many of you rise up in defense of yourself and have bitter roots of accusation. I'm speaking now, please, to those of you who call yourselves Christians and you have all of the outward works of being a wonderful Christian. You're involved in Christian ministry even. You perhaps are even preaching the gospel. But there is still that unclean wickedness in your heart revealed in the bitterness of your spirit towards someone There is that bitter judgment. There is that tendency to gossip and put down others. I recently heard about a person that I have spent a great deal of time trying to minister to. And then I was told of the evil, wicked things this person says to other people about me. Was I disturbed? No, not for me. It rolls off my back. I belong to Jesus. But it disturbs me because it reveals what's in this person's heart. Bitterness, gossip, judgmentalism, violence. 
it's all a part of what the children of Israel were feeling, saying, man, we're not going to go into that place. We have no power there. And if you're honest with me, many of you have bitterness in your hearts. You try to lift yourself up and you try to be somebody. You are very concerned about protecting yourself from others. You always want to take a position that makes you look good and somebody else look less than you. You know when you see that, that you have been feasting on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I don't speak this to you lightly. But these are the very issues, those hidden self-places where you will take advantage for yourself, where you will criticize for yourself, where you will lift yourself up against another by cutting them down behind their back. This is... This is the nature of the serpent. A serpent strikes unexpectedly out of hiddenness and fills you with poison that will kill you. This is the demonic spirit of the devil that comes directly out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Moses and Aaron, in response to the people of the community, weeping and groaning and wailing, And believe me, many of you are going to be weeping and groaning and wailing when you are hungry and you don't know where to find food and you don't know how to touch the throne of God for your provision. When you don't have the gas to fill your gas tank and you no longer can afford to live in your house because the rent or the mortgage is too high, you are going to be Weeping and groaning and moaning and saying, how can God treat me like this? Well, you refuse to enter into Jesus and lay down your life. I fear you will not understand what I'm going to say to you, but I'm going to say it as plainly as I can. We must all die a death much deeper and much more thorough than anything any preacher has ever spoken to you. All sin is dealt with by the cross of Jesus Christ. The human nature is transformed and changed into righteousness. The old man of sin is destroyed in the human heart by crucifixion. 
by dying to it, by no longer claiming what is mine, no longer rising up like a serpent to strike at me or someone else, but laying our life down. Romans 12, putting our life on that altar of burnt offering. Totally, completely, everything given over. No longer a reputation to protect. No longer material goods to protect. No longer success to achieve. Laying our life down. This is a death much deeper than anything you have even imagined. And it can only be brought about in your life as you read the scriptures, as you fast, and as you pray, and as you seek after Jesus, and you say, Jesus, please do this death in me. It's something I can't do to myself. I can't crucify myself. You must crucify me, Jesus. I must die. I must become less that he can become more. You see why this silence has descended upon me to the point that I don't even want to do the broadcast today. I just want to sit before him and weep. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me? in spite of all the miraculous signs I performed among them. I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them, but I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. And Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear about it. By your power you brought these people up from among them, and they will tell the inhabitants of the land about it. They've already heard about you, O Lord. Moses is concerned about God's reputation, not his own. And he begs God to forgive them. And God agrees to forgive them. But there is a penalty for their unbelief. May I say this, please? You are going to face incredible trauma in the coming days. Prepare your heart now for that. You may lose your house. You may lose your car. You may go hungry. You may have no money. Will you still trust in the Lord? Or will you rise up and say, I hate this. God, you're not fair. You have seen God's miracles in your own life. You're alive. You have felt the call of the Holy Spirit on your life. 
but you have continued to walk in your pride and your arrogance. Now they're told that their bodies will fall in the desert and they will die. That they will suffer for their sins and they will know what it's like to have God against them. I'm going to speak very boldly. Many of you in the modern church who have apostatized, who are playing in darkness, who have one foot with Jesus and one foot in the world, you are lukewarm. You are going to experience God being against you. He said, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. When that happens to you, Will you repent? Will you finally humble your heart before Almighty God and repent? Oh, I know. Many of you are thinking to yourself, Pastor, you're being an alarmist. None of this is going to happen in America. None of this is going to happen to me. I'm going to go on living like I'm living I'm going to make it through this somehow, and God's just going to take me home. No, he's not. If you get to go home, he's going to have you purified first. He's going to have you washed and cleansed. You do not have much time to get clean. The countdown to judgment is taking place right now. You don't have much time. Hearts filled with pride. You're going to have God against you. You're going to suffer physically, emotionally, financially. You are going to lose children or wives or husbands, parents. Brothers and sisters, you are going to see horrific things. Will you humble your heart and give up being right? Give up demanding your way. And will you seek the face of Jesus as a little child? Jesus Christ is the storm, but he's also the shelter. You will suffer for your sins because the only way some of you will finally humble your heart before Almighty God is to suffer for your sins. God doesn't want you to suffer for your sins. He wants to forgive you. He wants to wash you. He wants to make you clean. But will you die to yourself? And will you enter into that promised land that is here right now for us? Do you understand? Heaven is right now. If you will accept the humbling of your heart, giving up the control of your life, 
turning off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and simply seek the tree of life, which is Jesus Christ. He will cleanse you. He will wash you. He will take you into his heart. This is very difficult to say. But I can't lie to you. I have to speak the truth. The black horse is now riding in America. There are four horses of the apocalypse. This is the third. The fourth is death. And we will see in America probably more than 90 million people die in this nation. According to the fourth horse of the apocalypse. We are facing a time in America like nothing any of us have ever even imagined. How can these things be? Because Jesus said so. Jesus said so. So the children of Israel hear the word of God and they rise up. They weep and mourn and cry. And then they wake up the next day and they say, Oh, we sinned. Now, let's go up and take the land. We can do it. Reminds me of people who weep and cry. And then say, okay, now I can be a Christian. No, you can't. To become a Christian is a supernatural act of Almighty God by the Holy Spirit and by the blood of Jesus. He must transform you into something you are not which is a man or a woman of humility and patience and godliness. They say, we will go up and take the land. But Moses warns them and says, this will not succeed. Do not go up because the Lord is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies. Because you have turned away from the Lord, he will not be with you, and you will fall by the sword. Numbers 14, verse 44, Nevertheless, in their presumption, they went up toward the high hill country. Though neither Moses nor the ark of the Lord's covenant moved from the camp, and the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in that hill country came down and attacked them and beat them down all the way to Hormah. Now I'm going to be very straight with you. Many of you are going to rise up and say, Pastor, I'm a Christian. I'm on my way. God's going to take me out of here. No, the Amalekites are going to come down on you. And they're going to kill you. Because you've never fully given your heart to Jesus. 
You've never fully repented of your sin. You still are full of pride and self, self-dependence. You're still full of bitterness and anger. You're still like a snake that will strike at anyone who seems to stand in your way or disagree with you. And you will die. And you will not go to heaven. You will be spit out of the mouth of Jesus. Now, I recognize that what I've spoken today is very straight and very honest. I make no apology. We are at the end. The four horses of the apocalypse, you can hear their galloping across the land. And soon we will see death and destruction. We will then see persecution and many many followers of Jesus Christ will be martyred. I pray for revival. I pray that there can be time for many to turn. As it says in Matthew 24, there will be a final proclamation of the gospel. Or as it says in Revelation 14, there are three angels that will fly in the midst of heaven proclaiming the everlasting gospel. I pray there will be a final great proclamation of the gospel. But now you must get ready. Lord, I come today having a hard time even speaking. I simply want to sit in silence before you. I pray, Lord, you'll deal with everyone listening to this broadcast now or later. I pray you will turn the hearts of men and women to repentance and that you will bring many into your kingdom, that they will enter now through total submission to you and total rejection of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you believe that this message that you've just heard needs to be put out over America, then would you please consider financial sacrifice for the gospel of Jesus Christ? I warn you now that much of what you have you'll lose. So put it in the work of the gospel before you lose it. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22196. One nine five. You can also go to our webpage and thank you, brothers and sisters who are giving already toward this month's radio broadcast. Thank you. I pray for you. I pray God moves in your hearts. Go to nationalprayerchapel.com 
You can give online. You can also go to our 24-7 internet radio. There's a link there to it, or you can simply put in your browser, uh, revivalnow.church. Revivalnow.church. And you'll hear the internet radio. My prayer is that you will share this broadcast, that you will post it on social network medias, that you will place it where men and women can find it and be awakened, that you'll give it to family and friends, that you'll click that you liked it if you did, that you'll subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't, This message must go forth. We are at the end. The black horse is riding. God bless you. I love you. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy with great joy now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with